podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Cricket Weekly podcast. The series is India's. Despite a brief scare, either side of lunch on day four, they win by five wickets at Ranchi to take the series with one game to play. I'm Yaz Rana and with me this morning are Mark Butcher and Ben Gardner. Butch, 3-1 India with one test to go. Looking at the initial reaction in England, there are some who are saying, well, it's the same scoreline as 2021. India don't have Kohli, Pant, Shami, no Boomer for this test match. England should have done better. There are others saying that actually England have been in this series for mo- most of the day's plays. They, they've, they've been in with a shot and they're there without Brook, without Leach and a historically inexperienced attack. They've done pretty well. Yeah. Where on that line do you, do you I'm, sit? I'm very much towards the latter. I mean, anybody sort of rewinding back to our pre-test series uh, podcast will know that you know, the, the idea that it could get very, very ugly on the trip um, was very much at the forefront of all of our minds, given England's preparation, England's lack of experience in the spin bowling department. Um, you know, the fact that a lot of the players hadn't played any sort of meaningful cricket since the end of the Ashes last year, you know, had all of the all of the ingredients to be uh, to be a massacre. And it hasn't been that. Um, the uh, the third test obviously was was massively disappointing and I thought it garnered a, a reaction that wasn't warranted really I think it was a massive overreaction um, to England getting knocked over in that in that final innings um, and I think I think they've done themselves a lot of credit I really do I mean I, I just I've been imagining um, how the series might have played out had England been you know still under uh, Root and Silverwood playing in the playing in the way that they had done um, you know under that regime and, and I can't see it having been any different um, and barring brilliance from Joe Root, which is what won them that first test match in Chennai t- four years ago, um, the rest of it was a massacre. Mm. Uh, and this has been anything but. Um, of course, there have been periods of time over the course of uh, particularly the last two test matches where England sort of had the had the game, had the whip hand, had the upper hand and the, and the best of the conditions, particularly this one having won the toss and perhaps didn't quite um, have the quality to, to nail it down um, where, where better and more experienced sides might have done. But having said all of that, I think it, it was a heck of a test match. Um, and once again, England have, have shown enough fight and enough skill and enough real promise in the likes of somebody like Bashir, who, who has been unbelievably impressive, um, that, that um, you know, there, there are better things, better things to come. You know, how mm. many years away the next India yeah. series is, they will be better placed and have better, a uh, bit more experience and, players with um with, with more than a handful of, of uh, first class games under their belt to go out there and, and do better the next time um so i, I think it's i think that, that it's been brilliant to watch and the the result of the 3-1 has been entirely expected mm. i mean any, anybody that said that tells you any different is completely deluding themselves mm. um i guess there's an idea people don't like seeing positions of dominance slip and in the third test match there was something very obvious to point um, to as the moment when the test started going in India's favour, that, that route reverse scoop that didn't work out. Here, India were 177 for seven, responding to 350-odd, and the game very quickly slipped away from England. There's almost a sense that people almost want to attribute moral failure in letting a position of dominance mm-hmm. slip away. It didn't really... It, it felt different to, to, to Rajkot in that 
England didn't actually do a lot wrong. India played really well to get back into the game. Yeah, they did. And I think that's the thing, you know, you can say India are missing some first choice players. The guys, the guys have had come in are really pretty good. Like, uh, I know Akash Deep, is, his test is basically done with inside the first hour on the first morning, but he's already taken three massive wickets and mm. given India a pretty good start after losing the toss. Uh, Driv Jarrell starts the series as what, India's fifth choice wicketkeeper? And he looks like some player. And, and so good that actually you wonder when Rishabh Pant is back if they are missing a few has he moved up the, the the pecking order just as a specialist bat i mean he was he was that good and, and exceptional on i think on the final day uh in particular for me the bit where i guess if you're looking for what england did wrong in the bits when india did a lot right on that second evening you're wondering whether the the they got the exact bowling combination right like bashir had bowled an absolute marathon was he getting a bit tired tom hartley this wasn't this wasn't his best game um, I mean, well, Hyde was, was clearly his best game, but uh, uh, and and so you wonder whether they could have gone back to seam then, just put a bit of a bit of, of a lid on it mm. rather than the fight back starting there. But I think there's a flat period where Coolieep and Jarrell batted for 18 overs at the end of that day, and then 15 overs at the start of the next day, mm-hmm. um, and that lead went from 170 odd to about uh, less 60, than 100 yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, and but I think for me that almost the bigger miss opportunity maybe is the England's third innings and just a little passage that probably starts just before T with. Stokes getting out to another one that that keeps low. And obviously there's no way of knowing what's discussed in the dressing room between uh, that and the start of the next session, if anything, or if it's just players seeing it and reacting to it. But the next three wickets England lost suggested to me that they had felt that survival was kind of no longer possible on this pitch. You know, Bairstow chips his first ball to cover. Oh no, sorry, chips chips his first ball out, having, you know, that 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 looked like an intent thing that he was like, right, I'm gonna hit out before I get out. Tom Hartley again. Um, you know, he gets caught uh, playing a big shot. Robinson wasn't out playing a big shot, but had basically been out twice before that could have been. Uh, and then actually folks and Bashir play like very like stoically for a long time. And with how this pitch seemed to play throughout the game, Stokes attributed it to the temperature throughout the day, that it was uh, colder in the morning and in the evening. And it was between that, that it was actually a lot uh, tougher to play. So if England could have got to stumps even eight down and then it, resumes the next morning it's a bit easier and then they get through maybe you eat a bit into that day you just chew up a bit of that easier batting time and you know you've probably got a few more runs that way as well that I think that they would have been that would have been a much much stronger position obviously you know batting a bit longer you'd be in a strong position but it looked to me like they a few players had decided after tea there's there's you know there's there's, no, there's nothing for it. we're gonna have to hit out or we'll be out soon enough anyway and actually first folks and Bashir and then Jaiswal and Rohit and then even Jarrell and Jadeja, sorry, Jadeja, Jarrell and Gill showed what was possible in terms of survival, not in terms of scoring. So I think that those would be the two little bits of, of missed opportunities that mm. I think you see from an England point of view. Mm. Um, but how would you um, have, have gone about batting on a pitch like that? Because it was, it was really weird. On day one, you get that shooter from, from Jadeja to Stokes and you're thinking at that point, well, if it's like this on day one, what the hell is it going to be like on day three, day four, if it gets that far? And there were moments of inconsistent bounce throughout the test match, but they didn't necessarily become more frequent. There looked like periods where batting wasn't necessarily easy, but there weren't too many demons in the pitch. Um, what what was the secret to survival? Um, and, and, what, and what's it like as a batter, knowing that there are going to be balls, not with your name on it, but balls that won't get off the ground at all? Because it looked like some players were able to almost put those balls out of their mind well um, Joe Root 
the way Joe played in the, in, in the first innings, really. Um, you know, a, a lot of players, and, and they're right to do so, will, will be trying as much as they possibly can to, to, stay, to stay back, get the pads out of the way, try and play with a straight bat and manipulate the ball from from there. But obviously this was a pitch where you, you needed to tend towards getting forward um, and playing straight, really. I mean, kind of that's, <laughs> it, it's pretty old-fashioned. Um, and, and the pitch required that. And, and of course, then you do that, particularly against England's spin bowlers, and you, you kind of figure to yourself that if you if you go long enough without them, without them making breakthroughs, or you, without you donating wickets to them, then you're going to get bad balls every once in a while. Mm. Um, you know, with the exception of Bashir, England's other two spin bowlers were unable to to quite keep a lid on it in the way that in the way that India's did. I mean, um, Ashwin was was magnificent, wasn't he, in England's third innings. Um, and, and so was Cole Deep. And, but you'd expect that, wouldn't you? I mean, these guys are, are magnificent spin bowlers playing at home um, and they exploited the conditions quite perfectly. So, I mean, uh, bat- batting, batting wasn't, it wasn't impossible for sure, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy to be sort of freewheeling in, in, that, mm. in that sense. Mm. Um, and, you know, I suppose you, we got a bit of a window into, into, how, into how things um, might have gone had England not, been quite as aggressive as they had been in the first two or three test matches whereby you know if you if you sit there for long enough they, they knock you over you mm. go nowhere and they knock you over so it, it kind of indicates the way that England have decided to play and, and uh, the interesting thing for me is, is that the outcome is probably not going to be any different depending on wh- which way you go about it the only difference being that on more than one occasion over the course of the first four test matches India had to really sweat Mm. Um, they've not been that they've not been donated a victory. You could say they were donated the victory in Rajkot in, in the in the um, in the third game, but they they were they were battered into submission by mm. brilliant batting from uh, from Jaiswal, and 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 aren't the first and won't be the last team to fall over and heap in the last innings on a turner in India. Well, this is the thing. How how much do you think you can compare how the two batting units go about things? Because what they're coming up against is is totally different. Jadeja basically never bowls a bad ball. Mm. Tom Hartley's just starting his first class career, let alone his test career. Um, Ashwin's taken 500 wickets and called it, yeah, that's probably the most exciting wrist spinner we've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you're comparing apples with oranges, aren't you? In fact, sort of alien species with uh, with humans at, at times. So I, I find it very hard, you know, you know me, I, I don't mind putting the boot in when it's warranted, but I don't, I don't really see any, any reason to sort of have mm. a massive go at the England team. I said after the, the Rajkot game that, I would rather be in a dressing room that sees the game the way that, that this England team do after a defeat like that than, um, you know, one that sort of that, that is hand-wringing mm. and, and, uh, and castigating itself for, for, for mistakes. And and I think it was shown up in this last te- in this test match that they gave themselves opportunities to be in the ascendancy, to maybe even win the game. And even, you know, they, they get the five wickets down in that run chase and you're still thinking, you're still believing that there's a chance that they might somehow manage to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Um, and it's huge testament to uh, to, to Gill um, and to uh, and to Jarrell that that seventy two run partnership made it look so easy in the end because mm-hmm. it was anything but. And just India were just absolutely exceptional across the last two days of these last two Test matches. Like you won't, I know it's spread out by you know England doing okay, but like you won't see sides play better in Test cricket than that. Really, batting, bowling, everything to go from well, nine an- out of the eleven Indian players in this Test match put forward really significant contributions. Yeah, yeah. And then to, to go from a, a Rajkot position where your game's in the balance to, you know, your biggest ever test win and to go in this test from a position where you're thinking like the not just the path of victory is narrow, you're thinking 170 for seven 
like so 180 behind on a pitch that is like or you're already thinking that that's gonna be hard to chase in the last innings to go from that to you know in the end a five wicket win they had to play perfect cricket and they they did that basically like mm. there was this and i think that obviously we're, we're starting from an england point of view and you can also almost always also take you know look back at india's home dominance and all kind of blend into one and think like well yeah they beat those teams at home because they're india they've got the most sources most people conditions help them that sort of thing but that can mean you, you can just take it for granted in a way that you shouldn't and neglect the the brilliant cricket that they play and that to me feels like the story we should always be celebrating a team that you know is is coming towards the end of of that period but also with how some of the the younger players played no reason why they can't sort of found at least the next dominant home period and then you know and then see what they can do overseas I guess yeah 100% it's, it's not the same India team that's had the home dominance that they've had Jaiswal, Jarel, Akash, Safraz have all made significant contributions so far this series what do you think helps create an environment where young players feel comfortable um, able to play their natural game and sort of find that success from from minute one, because I thought in particular Jarrell, it's not just he he did well in this test. He sort of mm. played the role of a senior figure yeah, in the way he managed different situations very well. Yeah, yeah, it was the two brilliant knocks. Um, well, I mean, you, you you speak to both both management groups really. They their messaging might be slightly different, but I think in terms of um, in terms of of allowing young players responsibility to to make their own decisions to to play to play their way. To make them feel as though they are absolutely vital cogs in the in the entire package of, of India or England being successful in Test matches is huge. Um, you know, I don't get the impression that Stokes treats Bashir any differently to the way that he would treat Jimmy Anderson, and and I get the same impression with the Indian team. I mean, Raul Dravid um, is in the terrific position, and again, this is kind of legacy thinking, I suppose, from India. Um, you know, Rao looked after all these guys as, as a very successful Indian under nine team, under nineteen team who have all sort of come through, and they're now playing underneath him mm. um, in the Test team as well. The backing that they've given to somebody like Shubman Gill, I mean, the, the the knives are out for him early on in in the season. But we've all seen how talented a player he is, um, and you know, sticking with players, England sticking with people like Crawley and Duckett and whatever it might be through thick and thin, um, giving that giving your young. Um, inexperienced players, of, uh, you know, an early go with the ball and not hiding them away, and then throwing them the ball when they're under the mm. most pressure. All of those types of things are very important in terms of, in terms of making people feel at home and, and comfortable in the environment. Uh, and and let's not forget, uh, playing for India is, is is a very different thing to playing for anybody else. Mm. Um, you know, let alone having to come into the side and replace somebody like Kohli or Deep having to come in and replace Bumrah. The, the, the pressure that, that these guys are under is like nothing that, that any mm. England player has ever experienced. Um, and to come in and play as well as they have done and, and to be and to look as a, at home and as comfortable as they've done is huge testament to that management. And and you you could also say, look, you know, they're not they haven't been out there facing facing sort of like the world's most experienced and best spin bowling mm. attack, and therefore um, you know things are a little bit less um, a little bit less tricky for them. But um, I think match situations that um, Jarrell in particular has found himself self in twice in this test mm. match and has come out the other side beaming. Um, gives you a clue as to how good a player he is and how good that environment is. And it's easy to forget as well, Rohit was under a bit of pressure going into this series. Mm -hmm. um, under his captaincy, India hadn't been quite as dominant recently as people, I think, presume that they had been. 
Um, there were murmurings, especially after Hyderabad, that you know if it things don't go well for India in the next couple of games, it could be the end of Rohit's captaincy. So an absolutely huge series for him on a personal level. Yeah, yeah, and and he's you know got back to to form with with the bat as well. I mean, it was a weird stat there actually. This was his highest ever fourth innings test score uh, in this game when he made fifty five, which is for a guy who's now got four thousand test runs. Uh, but that that was a fifty five that was also worth worth plenty more in other situations mm. so yeah he, he's, he's he's captained really well and obviously Stokes gets um he gets more of the credit because there's a lot of active stuff going on you know there's a um there's you know field change almost every ball at times especially when you're defending a low total uh and there have been times you can look at Rohit and say he's been a bit passive or he's possibly missed a trick here and there but with how India have have rallied in in both those games a lot of credit for that has to go to the captain as much as you know the, the players themselves deserve the credit for for putting in the performances like to to sort of to I think and then some maybe that's that calmness coming to the fore a bit as well possibly a bit of perspective saying like no we're doing okay here we're like you know we're either you know if we do this we can get back into the game we're okay or we'll, you know we just need to stick to what we're doing and we'll be all right and, and actually that calmness can sometimes look like passivity but I think uh and it did at Hyderabad when you had you know Pope playing in in that way and it looked like he didn't really have an answer to it but there are strengths and weaknesses to both approaches and uh and that's come that's come now and you know he's in a, a, a an interesting position because he's what he's 37 years old you don't get very many 37 year old all format captains uh and yet he still looks kind of and he also if you were just to sort of look at him based on you know his manner and the way he deals with with the press and the way he's around players you wouldn't pin him out in the same way as you would Kohli as this like ultra driven sort of a competitor in the same way you know he's not the one who's sort of like hooting and hollering after each wicket or ball beating the bat bat whatever he looks like a guy who sleeps well yeah exactly (laughs) but but deep deep down I think he is he's as steely as as any of them and you know we've seen that with how he's adapted to batting in overseas team friendly conditions like that would have taken Mm. a lot of hard work uh a lot of sort of like reflection and time to think about do I even want to be doing this because you know he doesn't he doesn't need to be really good in England conditions to be you know a, a, a great Indian cricketer but he's gone away and focused and done that and then now he's uh you know he's he's still you know he's got I guess maybe it's the ICC event thing the fact that he hasn't really won one so if he can while that carrot is still there he'll want to be driven to do all the things there's still a chance for World Championship next year there's a T20 World Cup coming up the home world cup will have hurt and maybe that is the thing that is still driving him on but it's amazing that it that it is considering the age that he's at and all the cricket that he's played um and the fact that you know that 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 team is sort of drifting away he's the one that is now sort of still sticking there Mm. i feel like passive is a word that people misuse quite a lot they sort of conflate it with being uh defensive but actually i think rohit's been pretty proactive in dropping men deep as the series has gone on sort of cutting off um, the scoring options that, that, that England want to have. Um, but we've not really talked about him that much so far, but Shoaib Bashir had an amazing test match, eight wickets across the game. Um, I thought it was striking how much control he had when the pitch wasn't doing a lot, but also how threatening he was to right-handers. I feel like over the last five, 10 years, increasingly, even in test cricket, there's more and more match-up chat um, that, that, you know, left arm spinners can only get right-handers out and, and, and vice versa with off-spinners. How good an off-spinner do you think he is now already in his career? I think, I think he's a very good one, yeah. Um, 
I think the the control element is 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 fascinating because again when you when you use the word inexperience or you know you use you, you talk about somebody that has so little cricket behind them you're you're kind of expecting you're expecting from english spinners full stop you're expecting the bad a bad ball and over i mean how long is it how long has it been taken for jack leach somebody who's played as much cricket as he has to get to a point where you where you think he could rack up two three four maidens on the on the trot so that's been fantastic. The other th- thing about him, and this is the thing that, that got him the, the pick in the first place, I guess, is that he, that he hits the bat really hard. You know, there are times when um, there are times when he bowls, it looks like a drag down delivery and it whacks into the top of the bat, you know, like just kicks and bounces. Mm. He, he's not, he doesn't give away sort of easy pull balls. He doesn't get cut by the right-handers, which is a, a huge thing. Um, I think, you know, the, the one thing that will come um, in terms of his development, is a little bit a little bit more guile in terms of getting the ball to maybe drift away from the right hand to try and beat him on the outside. Um, but I, I thought he was fantastic, and mm. you know it, it, to have the to have the confidence of saying you know well we're going to bowl him out tomorrow as well. You know I mean he's it, he seems to have just slotted in, um, you know to be a to be a, a real part of the part of the team and to to sort of feel like feel his own value in the mm. in the side in the side incredibly quickly. Mm. So look, really really impressive. Um, there are no downsides to speak of whatsoever, uh, and and the, the thing that you hope is that he that he manages to get plenty of bowling when he comes back to England in the in the early part of the season, um, and that you know that England sort of think about him as a as, as somebody who is not only going to play in subcontinent conditions when you need two spinners. Well, this is the thing, you know, with the way he bowled uh, in this Test match. I think it's feasible for him to be playing home Test matches quite feasible. soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, again, the sort of like the. The, the off-spinner versus right-handers argument and all the rest of it and needing to have a, somebody that takes the ball away from the bat. But, you know, Nathan Lyon, there you go. There's, mm. a, there's a name for you. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, perhaps then England start thinking about, well, can we get a left-arm seamer into our, into our test match lineup to, to try and give him something to, to work with, days three and four, five, with, the, with foot marks and all that kind of thing. And it gives you another, it gives you another, um, uh, another, element to your to your bowling attack mm. to have to have that so look incredibly positive and and perhaps we'll just leave it at that um very very young great to see and hopefully he has another good test match in Durham Charlotte well, yeah I was gonna say that the the more the more he bowls I almost think that Key and Co deserve less credit because he's doing so well <laughs> that actually you can completely see why they went for him uh, I just wanted to ask what's it like um from a batting perspective against a spinner who gets that extra bounce um What's the additional challenge? Because uh, it felt that actually, even compared to the other tall spinners in this test match, Ashwin and Hartley, he was able to get that additional, as well as Ashwin Bowl in the second. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the two two things are that you know you, you don't get you don't get a lot of sort of easy floaty drive balls, and also it makes him difficult to get down the pitch to because the angle into the into the ground is so much steeper. Um, so you don't feel like you can get up, get get underneath him. You know, and, and it makes sweeping the sweeping difficult too. I mean, I know the Indian batters don't really use the sweep in the, in the same way that, that England batters do, and Australian batters don't don't do it very much either. But if you were if you were thinking about sort of sweeping sweep, sweeping the crap out of somebody like Bashir, and he's got you know the the right set field, mm. you'd, you'd bring in top 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 edges into play. It also quick enough through the air to sort of slide one underneath you. So there are lots and lots of advantages of of what he does, and and it, and it seems very natural to him. It's not something that. Um, 
you know, it's not something that he's having to 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 adapt to Indian conditions to be able to bowl in mm. that manner. That's how he bowls. Um, you know, much like somebody like you know Monty back in the day when Monty was on song and he he was impossible to get down to and really put a, put a heavy rev on the ball, hit the top of the bat when you were defending. Um, and all of those attributes are very very handy to have. Mm. Um, you were going to say something? Well, yeah, ju- just just that you could make a case for for all four of those spinners that England have used on this tour to be to be first choice back in in home conditions they all bring something different to the table but something you can see being valuable not just in India but outside of it but then also on Bashir I know I don't want to you know be the the Englishman now that England have lost in India looking forward to the next uh huge away series in in the ashes but I think the comparisons to Nathan Lyon are quite interesting because his big threat in Australia is that that overspin that he gets right that he gets over the ball that it's the, the bounce often as much as the turn that he gets and and you look at Bashir and wonder like is is Obviously, they're in some ways they're, they're you know they're very different. Obviously, in their careers, but could he be a, a Nathan Lyon type bowler? I know that Nathan Lyon is a great at the game. Bashir is just starting out, but I wonder if there are similarities there that will make England interested in when it comes to that tour. Their professional records before making their Test debuts are pretty much identical. <laughs> Lyon played. Did, uh, did he ever? Did he, was he ever a groundsman? Uh, no. Not that we know of. No, I okay. guess he didn't have time to. Uh, but Bashir, <laughs> Bashir, obviously six games, ten wickets at sixty-seven. Uh, Lyon was six games, 12 wickets at 47 or something like that. Um, I really like how calm he is when um, they're wondering whether or not to review something. It's it's quite often him that says, no, don't bother. Mm. Um, when you compare that to a lot of other young players in particular, and you know, actually quite often it's folks saying, this, we, we should maybe send this one upstairs. Mm. Um, and then Stokes turns to the 20 year old as, as the, as the voice of calm and reason, which, <laughs> which, which I really no, like. It's been great. And, and, like I said, I hesitate hesitate to heap any sort of pressure on him, but mm. it, it just looks very natural. There's no, mm. you know, you don't look at his action and think, oh my God, you know, what's going on here? He, he, you know, he, he does what comes naturally to him and what mm. comes naturally to him is very good. Um, three fifty plus scores from 40 knocks from England's numbers three to seven so far this series. Lots of starts. Is it just one of those things, a consequence of the, of the quality of, of this India attack? Yes, it is that. Um, had Harry Brook been available in the middle order, that might have been slightly different. Being a much more sort of fluid, um, softer-handed, quicker-footed player than somebody like Johnny Bairstow is incredibly handy in, mm-hmm. in Indian conditions. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's been an issue, hasn't it? Um, England's middle order having a, having a real struggle. Getting in and, 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 and making making sort of big, big scores. I mean, again, none of these things are any uh, are new under the sun, are they? We're not talking about sort of a, this brand new way of playing cricket. It still stands that you have to make, your, your top six have to make big runs or two of them have to make big runs to put big totals on the board. And if you don't do that, you've got a big problem. Mm. Um, you know, regardless of how well and how plucky your, your lower order are, top order needs to make hundreds. And th- th- I suppose the great irony of it is that England have made in this series, have made three brilliant ones, absolutely brilliant ones. You know, Duckett ends up on the losing side, Rooties ends up being on the losing side, and only Oli Popes, who hasn't scored a run since. Um, you know, with that incredible innings in the third inning. Uh, you know, you if you'd have had a little bit more to go along with with some of those exceptional, outrageous innings, and England might well have found themselves with with some bigger totals to work with, and uh, you know, maybe would have nicked one of the other the other two games. But as it's been. Um, India have you know they fact they had Bumrah being being extraordinary in that uh, in that second Test match, 
um, you know, the spinners in tandem have been have been irresistible during the course of this one. And so life is not very easy for mm. middle order players. Would you be tempted to swap folks and Besto in the order just in terms of how the two players play, yeah, against, did, play, play with the tail? That did, you know, that always pops into your mind when, when the tail's in and you're you're after quick quick runs, isn't it? Um, however, I think that the point still stands that, that there is... <laughs> If, if you're batting at number five for England, as, as Johnny Bairstow is, that you're you're expecting guys to make hundreds without having to slog it with the tail, aren't you? Mm. Um, you, you? It's certainly something worth considering in the middle of a game. You know, you might you might go, you know what, it's a good idea to have a switch around here, but I'd still you'd still want your your top five or six batters to be in position. Um, you know, and folks has done a terrific job at number seven when he's been batting with guys above him, hasn't he? So you know, it's. Just, the, the the bottom line is is that your guys your guys in the top six have 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 to take more responsibility for scoring bigger runs and that's and that's the end of it they haven't been able to do so largely because India's spinners and uh, and, and bowling attack has been too good to allow them to do it and also because you know th- th- there is all of the things that we said before the series still stand mm. in terms of lack of cricket played um but not enough not enough match match time all of those types of things and whilst on the odd occasion that it hasn't mattered play, players have played out their boots and done something brilliant you haven't had a consistency throughout in order to put consistent mm. runs on the board how so you go stokes had an interesting series with the bat hasn't he uh in that you've looked brilliant in that first innings of the series and then feels like from then on at least one out of every two times he's got out he's sort of thrown his head back and almost laughed at how unplayable the ball that he got was. And so you wonder if it is just one of those things that he just has, happens to have copped a fair share of the good ones, or if there is possibly, especially in this test, I wonder, because you look, you wonder how Root would have played those two ones that got Stokes out. And if there is just, if, if he might look back, it was just a little bit of a of frustration that, you know. Where, where, well, the second it, innings, it, it wasn't the ball that got him out that was most interesting. It was mm. that he basically got out three times in 13 balls. Yeah. Um, which, which was more, more significant. Um, Anyway, without further ado, we've reached the part of the pod where we have to make the decision of who should be awarded the Charles Tirrett moment of the test. Our friends at Charles Tirrett are no strangers to helping men make difficult decisions when it comes to their wardrobe. Let's be honest, sometimes we could all do with a bit of direction when it comes to what outfit we need for that smart casual dress code. So check out charlestirrett.com or visit one of their stores and they'll be able to help you look the part with their wide selection of shirts, trousers, blazers and knitwear. Don't forget to use the code SCORE to get our special wisdom discount of 20% off their full collection. Ben, it was in a losing cause, but as we said earlier in the test match, that was one of Joe Root's very best test hundreds. Yeah, and for so many reasons as well. I mean, partly the sort of the build up to it. And I think for that, you just need to go and listen back to any of our previous podcasts, basically, with, uh, you know, reverse scooping in the last game and uh, questions about uh, what exactly the role Root should play in this England side is and then you can if you want see his innings in this game as a reaction to that but more than that I think it's kind of just a an exceptional batter conditions in like the absolute perfect way basically instantly identifying a pitch that in the first session looked impossible to survive on the way to survive on it and to score still at a uh, at an okay rate as well I mean you know his his slowest 100 under Stokes and McCullum fine, but still scoring it, you know, one every two balls. That's that's perfectly acceptable. And uh and 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 yeah, just just doing all the things that we know that Root is absolutely brilliant at, but also actually in conditions against the quality of attack that he hadn't 
quite done it before in his career when he's got the big hundreds in India before those have been on flatter pitches and when he's got maybe hundreds in, in Sri Lanka those have been against not quite the same caliber of bowler so this in terms of those things was two just massive boxes checked that you'd want to have checked as a as a great test batter um it's interesting he said after play on that day that he didn't uh uh, that he's not resolved to never play the reverse scoop again, so he might see it again at some point. But it was just. Well, he said he was thinking about it when he was on ninety six. Yeah, well, yeah, and but and and yeah. I mean, it's funny that that must always just be slightly in his head. But instead, it's just that that sort of that perfect off drive, and the celebration was amazing because Root kind of barely celebrates it, maybe partly because he feels he owes England a bit, partly because of just the effort he's put in. Uh, but Stokes is going absolutely crazy <laughs> in the dugout, and then um and then him and. Uh, him and Root share a celebration where they put their little finger up, which is um, inspired by the Elvis Presley film, the one with Austin Butler from a few years ago, uh, where Stokes had seen it and said he wanted the England side to be rock stars. And uh, and that was the celebration that reminded him of that. And actually, I found a quote from that time, which was um, Stokes saying that, uh, Root saying that, yeah, Stokes, he wants it to be rock stars. And I sometimes find that hard to battle with sort of like the grumbly Yorkshireman within. And it seemed like he found a pretty good way to combine the two in this innings. Mm. Um there's lots of chat around marginal LBWs in, in this test match and the quality of TV officiating as well. Um, but a, a former captain of yours was a camera in the DRS truck to prove there's nothing dodgy going on. Um, oh, do, you want, do you want a camera in the DRS no, truck? No, I don't. I don't want a camera in the DRS truck. I, I, look, I, I'm going to try and find a, a, a way of saying this that is, that is um, as, as polite as I possibly can. Poor old Joe Wilson is just that. Whenever there is some sort of it, some sort of shocker, whether it be on field or off field, he's never far away. Put it that way. He's like the he's like the um, he's like the driver that has seen thousands of crashes but has never had one himself. You know, he's just kind of he makes he makes a lot of errors. He like mm. makes a lot of mistakes. However, one thing I would say is the thing that has, has prompted all of these calls for, for changes to DRS, to changes to umpire's call and all the rest of it, um, I didn't see that there was anything wrong with Root's dismissal. I mean, mm. with the naked eye, I was naked everywhere else, actually. So it was that early <laughs> in the morning. Um, watching cru- cru- it. Crucial well, detail. Too, too, big detail. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it was out, you mm. know. And then and then when the, you know, the line goes in, the ball seemed to pitch more than 50% of it. Um, within the tracking, is it in the stumps? I just did. I couldn't yeah. understand what all the what all the fuss was about. Yeah, uh, and there had been one in the in the first innings, wasn't there? When Joe, Joe before Joe had sort of got going, he was on nineteen or twenty or something. That Joe Wilson seemed to have found an inside edge somewhere that nobody else could could see, mm. and he was lucky to get away with one himself. Um, human error more than oft, more often than not is the issue with the application of DRS, and I think the DRS system, when you, particularly when you compare it to how it how it works in other sports, I still think it's the best way of doing it. Mm. It's not perfect, but it's, but it's a damn sight better than sort of um, removing all element of, of human error and, uh, and margins from it and making all of these calls absolutely black and white because mm. you can argue to the death um, one way or the other with, with quite a lot of these things and, and, and having the umpires on the field still being central to that call um, although one you know one day it goes for you and one go, mm. one day goes the next is still the safest and best way of going about. Yeah, I guess with the root marginal LBW, um, the it's it, it, it's black and white for whether or not it's pitching 
in line. There's no yes. umpire's call. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So if there's fifty point not 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 one percent of the ball that's pitching in line, yeah, it is and that pitching that, that Laura changed, didn't it? Slightly, kind of it, to to make it so mm. that less of the ball has to has to pitch in line. And when and, you look at it, it looks like about half. The yeah, ball just is just in a line. bit over <laughs> half the ball. I mean, I couldn't again. I was kind of, I was my mind was blown yeah. when I saw again all of the the rows going on about it because it just you know there was enough of the ball pitching in line. It's it's hitting the stuff. In fact, if anything, the ball tracking made the ball look like it turned more than it actually did mm. at, at one point. But again, like I said, naked eye, first look, I've given it out. And also in a in a series where you're gonna have inconsistent bouts, you're gonna have pitches that turn more. As the the test goes on, it, you know, people watching the tests from England who don't watch a lot of cricket, test cricket in India, are probably not actually used to this happening and there being so many marginal LBW calls. This is actually part and parcel of test cricket in India. Um, ben Butch mentioned um, the, the the root call um, in the first inning. In the second innings today, actually, Jaiswal was given not out for one, um, and Wilson as a TV umpire looked to have found an edge that probably wasn't there. It was bat on pad rather than bat and ball. Some people uh, want there to be specialist TV umpires. Um, I sort of understand that. Um, and I guess... I don't understand what that means, though. Mm. I guess... I don't, I, I, don't, I don't see what that means. I, I think it's because... So, you, using Wilson as an example, um, I don't think umpires get promoted... I think you're looking for a different skill set in, in, in umpire. I think umpires get promoted not just for how accurate they are giving lbw decisions but also just like your your character in managing difficult situations your ability to mm. step in etc whereas as a television umpire something that you don't do that often mm. if you're an elite umpire um it is also just a, well, a i different... mean over the over the course of a, of a five match series they all get they all go outside and inside don't they? Mm. Your, your group of four guys yeah i mean look you wouldn't eliminate no, mistakes, of course you wouldn't. Because, you because, people, because people make good and bad decisions, don't mm. they? I mean, that's that's the, the long and the short of it. Mm. Even, you know, the, the guys on field are specialist on field umpires. Doesn't mean doesn't make them immune from cocking it yeah. up. Um, so, uh, again, I'm a little bit baffled. I, I, you know, I hate to single out Joel, but I, the amount of games where if there is any sort of controversy over a decision that's mm. been made correctly or incorrectly on or off the field... <laughs> he generally seems to be on the wrong end. Of yeah. It. So, um, you know, there, there is your, there's your, your human element, isn't it? I suppose the thing, the thing with the technology and with, um, uh, with special umpires or some people who have a bit more, more training or, or whatever, is that sometimes there can be almost a bit too much, uh, just like faith put into the complete end result without sometimes a bit of common sense or sense checking coming in. So with the with the ones that the two inside edge ones in this game, I can kind of see why he's uh, said there's an edge there. And I can, if, if what he said was, well, you can't tell what the edge is, that's fine. Uh, I'd, I'd understand that decision. It's more that it's almost so binary the process is like ball close to bat, spike on ultra edge. And then there's nothing else taken into account at all. You're not, you're not digging a bit deep. You're not seeing like what else could have made a sound at that point. And it looked in these cases, it was bat on pad. There, there was also a case in the PSL actually last week where, um, the ball tracking just made a complete error. The, they, where they said the ball uh, hit the pad was different to where it actually hit the pad. And you can just see it when you slow it down. And with like five seconds of just sense checking, looking at those two things yeah, in different but that, spots. But that's not, that doesn't require a whole whole new group of ro robo fourth umpires, does it? That just that just means that the protocol, you, you're asked to, you, you ask yourself another question. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm. it's not. 
really, it's not that difficult. Yeah, it'd, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be a great job. And you still, it? and you still. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all pretty good. There's no better job. No better job than than a than a been a match referee, to be honest. I mean, that's that's the one you, we all aspire to. Um, Have you considered it? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'll see if I get see if I get censured for having a go at an ICC umpire. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm broadly with Butch. I think cricket, compared to other sports, Ben, is has managed probably accidentally managed technology mm-hmm. really well. And also, we don't. I know we are now, but generally, it doesn't. I listen to football podcasts, and sometimes I'm like just talk about the fucking football yeah you know, like we we you know we i know i know we spent five minutes on it now but actually i think cricket's relationship I mean, it's, it's with a, technology it's is a big talk, it was a big talking point in the game i mean uh, that, you know you, you'd, you'd be remiss not to bring it mm. up but again i'm kind of i'm i'm completely baffled as to why why it's caused such a uh, the thing is that there is there are people that still have um that still have a sort of an agenda against any sort of technology in the game you know there are still those who cling on to the idea that the umpire's decision is final and, and the player shouldn't question it, or that you know you, you get the, the the rough with the smooth. But we've we've been we've been along this road for a very very long period of time now, and the players, generally speaking, um, accept it in the same way that we used to accept it when you got a bad mm. one in the old days. Sometimes the margins d- don't go in your favour, mm. um, and a lot of time they do. And when it and when there is an absolute howler, you tend to be reprieved for that howler, which was something that that, that none of us had the the um you know the benefit of in the past and and it makes you know it, it makes the game appear fairer yeah um to argue about the the, the margins of 0.1 of a millimeter and all these kind of stuff it's kind of it's a bit nuts when you think about <laughs> yeah. just how many variables there are in a game yeah. of cricket yeah you're gonna say something yeah well no i mean just it's mostly just echoing that i think the other way that cricket is um is well suited for technology is that with how the laws are set up and with that the game is you know it's it's split into blocks of deliveries it means you are deciding on a a few matters of fact each time rather than stuff that is more vague like in in football the definition of a a foul in rugby sometimes they're like looking for mitigating circumstances and stuff whereas in cricket it's like has it hit something yes or no where has it hit that thing here or here like obviously you still get uh marginal calls within that but you are deciding on a clear matter of fact and the and the, and, and the system is is there to is there to kind of iron out the, the marginal calls isn't mm-hmm. it? it gives you that it gives the on-field umpire and the leeway to kind of make a decision yes or no um knowing that uh given that the teams have enough reviews left that they can they can correct that if they if they decide to mm. whereas you know in, in football and in other games there, there is this arbitrary kind of line where there where, it, where, where sometimes it just seems to be completely mad you know players toenails offside and whatever yeah. and, the, and the goal gets rubbed out and you just kind of like do we want to go down that road mm. well that, that's because what because what people are calling for is to go down that road you take out you take out any amount of margin for error whatsoever and everything is is a black and white fact if the projection says the ball is going to hit the stumps even if it's clipping you know clipping the varnish off of one side of it you're gone mm. i would argue that, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a good thing yeah well, I, that, that's the other thing with with what vaughn wants i don't think uh anyone who's seen the offside lines being drawn on football i don't think that any more 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 uh sort of transparency in that process really helps with trusting in the final decision when you're yeah. like and also if you had cameras in the DR, drs truck <laughs> if anything dodgy is going on it's someone getting the click of of, of the mouse slightly wrong on a computer the camera is not going to show that mm. <laughs> it could be incredible asmr content just uh someone just sitting there silently basically just clicking and occasionally taking like a sip yeah. of coffee or something yeah I guess, I guess what i think what i'm trying to say is i can't work out how it would have happened 
But I'm sure there are millions of ways that cricket really could have screwed up technology and made the game a worse viewing spectacle. And we've had a system that has broadly worked for 15 years. And I think we should be pretty grateful for that in comparison to to other sports. Anyway, moving on to to the cricket itself. Um, they now have a they now have a break uh, now that the series has been decided before the fifth test at Darren Mashala. Um, but Alistair Cook mentioned a couple of interesting stats and in the TNT coverage at the end. Um, in, the, in recent first-class games at the ground, seam averages about 23 and spin averages about 50. Um, with that in mind, looking ahead, what changes would you make to that England team? Potential debut for Gus Atkinson, Mark Wood coming back. Ollie Robinson was was rusty on his return. His speeds were down. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I, I suppose, the, the issue for England, they, they can kind of get away with it with spin because you can, because you've got Joe. Um Funnily enough, he didn't bowl very much in this test, mate. Um, but when it comes to seam, if you wanted to play three seamers, then you've got a bit of an issue, haven't you? Then Joe has to has to be your second spinner. And I think given the way that, that Bashir has bowled, um, that you would, you'd plug him in, he plays. Um, but would England want to go with, with Anderson, Atkinson um, and Wood? I'm sure Wood will play. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, I would I would be... I would be surprised if they moved away from two seamers and two spinners, mm-hmm. two frontline spinners, because they don't really they don't have the leeway to do it without Ben bowling, unless of course you know he's gonna he's suddenly gonna gonna start bowling again by for this Test match, which I doubt. Um, so the the only the only call really is whether or not whether or not they feel that Johnny gets pulled out the firing line and they give Dan Lawrence a go. But the fact that Johnny made 30 odd and kind of looked as though he was, he was starting to get the hang of things a little bit, they'd probably stick with him. So I would imagine that there's not going to be a massive amount of massive amount of difference apart from Wood for Robinson in the last one. Mm. Ben, how do you see it? Well, I I guess the only caveat is that, you know, we have, we haven't seen that pitch. Obviously, you know, it's still a while away from being prepared and sometimes test pitches for grounds in here can be quite different to grounds used for, first class cricket in the round trophy so it might be they turn up there and think like actually even though this has the reputation of being a pace for any ground it's going to really help spin um i guess the other thing as well is that uh, you make a good argument for if stokes isn't fit for why that doesn't give them the leeway to pick three seamers but then if stokes is fit to bowl that lessens the need for three seamers because you've got a third seamer there already england have only got lawrence and and, and, atkinson. and atkinson to bring in anyway no they're at, they've got no other option everyone else has, has gone home did you see um uh, Marcus Rascothic in full white wearing a bib running, running <laughs> the drinks he? on <laughs> good lad uh, he's only a, you know about a, a food poisoning away from um, but they've from had a, making they've, test the chef they've not, no one's been sick have they <laughs> no, no, you've had people leaving yeah. India tours for reasons other than uh, than intestinal health this time they've had a <laughs> they've had a chef out there yeah um, Collingwood as well you, you could have worse backroom staff if you for, for about a food poisoning well, 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 Trez at slip and Collie at cover yeah. well Trez Gothic <laughs> was, a, was a pioneer even at the very end of his career getting on his knees at second slip <laughs> yeah. for Somerset um, you know there, there's a point today where Stokes are fielding at second slip off Bashir and he was so close and I was sort of thinking just get Trez on yeah. get Trez on if, <laughs> if only the series was level imagine imagine <laughs> Trez taking the uh, <laughs> the catch to win it at Durham's <laughs> but, but again you sort of talk about the series is over, et cetera, et cetera. But I still think, again, every for me, every test match in itself is an event. Um, and I'm sure that both teams will be looking at it as exactly that. You know, come back 3-2 um, would, be a, would be a huge feather in, in, uh, in England's cap. 
um, and India will be will be absolutely loathed. It, they want to stamp their authority over the course of the series. I think they've been a little bit surprised as to how nip and tuck it's been um, thus far at home. They've been given a lot more to think about than uh, than most touring teams give them. Um, and and they want to you know they want won't want to get basballed in the last one. Mm. Um, so uh, so I, I think it's going to be a heck of a contest. And I think Ben's. Ben's probably right. I think it will. I think it will probably favour Spin as, as the rest of them have done, mm. despite the um, you know despite the the record um, of the ground. Mm. Well, that's it for today. Three one India. Cheers, Butch. Cheers, Ben. We'll be back next week for a preview of the fifth test. Podcast Network.